Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soul Sweat. Thanks for listening today. I'm so excited to be back. I'm here with my girl, Morgan. Say hi, Morgan. Hi. hi. So excited to be here. <laughs> so Morgan's one of my dearest friends. We work together in the fitness industry. And one of our favorite things to talk about, well, maybe not favorite because we'd love to, I think, not have to talk about it, but one of our most frequented conversations is talking about gender roles. So there's a lot of stigma around masculine and feminine stereotypes and roles in work and relationships, um, something that her and I try very hard to combat on the day oh, of being yes. powerful women, um, running our own companies and having healthy working relationships. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. And um, the first thing I want to kind of start with is you telling me a little bit about how gender roles have affected you in your life. Okay. Um, well, I, first of all, grew up in a, uh, in a, a dancer uh, situation. So a dancer background. Um, and when I say dancer, I mean um, like classically ballet trained dancer. So um, in the ballet world, um, you know, women have women roles. Yes. Yeah. And men have, have male roles. Um, so your job as a dancer, you are taught very young to be quiet. You're taught very young to be, um, you know, uh, to say yes to absolutely everything. You know, your teacher is, is God and you are just merely a, a, uh, an empty vessel for them to fill. And that carries, yeah, so you are, I am exactly what you choreograph on me. I'm a blank canvas and that's it. Um, so, you know, and, and we also didn't have a lot of males um, in Erie, Pennsylvania that also wanted to, to be dancers. So it was literally just like a group of like girls. And we're all taught, like, you, you know, you have to be on time. You have to dress a certain way. You have to slick your hair. You have to look as feminine as possible. You must be as skinny as you possibly can. Um, otherwise, you won't get cast in the roles that you want to get cast in. And, you know, then taking it into um, professional world, or I guess aspiring to be a professional ballet dancer, um, you learn, obviously, the classical ballets, um, where the, again, the women have the women's roles and the men have the men's, men's roles. And your job again is to be, you want to be as light as possible. You want to be as, um, you know, easy to work with as possible. And that's just your job. Mm -hmm. So growing up in that, in that world, um, easily carried over into life. <laughs> yeah. So when I was in school growing up, I didn't raise my hand in class. I didn't like, you know, I was, I was trying to be a perfect, quiet, little skinny, frail girl, you know, <laughs> just exactly what I had been taught to be in hours and hours and hours of dance training. Um, so I didn't, you know, didn't raise my hand, didn't want to cause any problems. Uh, moving into college, even, um, you know, I went to what I thought was a, you know, pretty progressive school. Mm -hmm. Um, when they really just kind of reinforce all of these habits, um, you know, and, and the men, I, and I see this now going back and teaching at, you know, schools like Alvin Ailey. Yeah. I see this with, with their institution and, and other institutions. And I've also gone back to teach where I went to college, SUNY Purchase. And I've seen this there where the men and the boys are taught 
to mess up the rules. You know, like mm. your job is not pretty like the girls. Your job is to just, okay, question, um, you know, why do we need to be doing this choreography this way? I'm going to do it this way because I'm the only boy. And so I'll get away with it. And yeah. so the girls also look exactly the same and the boys are stand out and that's what they want. They expect that from the boys. They expect the girls to kind of hide in the back and just blend. Um, and I see this so much more prevalently going back to teach at these institutions. Um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, I went to college and was just kind of reinforced these same, the same gender role and then obviously into life. And it wasn't until, um, I don't know, maybe five years, four or five years out of college where I just kind of started questioning everything and was like, wait a second, like, I know who I am and it's not actually what I've been taught for the past 25 years, you right. know? Um, and so started questioning everything. Yeah. Just absolutely everything. Um, and that's when I really started realizing that what I had been taught was just complete bullshit. Yeah. And it's funny because like when you said quiet, that was the first thing that I thought of because, you know, in a leadership role, especially female leaders, like women are very powerful. Um, we are the givers of life and we're tough and we can withstand pain and we're sensitive and we're intuitive. Intuition is literally a superpower. And there's a reason why we're held down. There's a reason why witches were burned at the stake. You know, anybody who had a connection with nature or being able to fix things like that was terrifying. And, you know, as a, like I was saying, as a woman in leadership, you know, when we were working together, they were scared of a woman being in charge because they were scared of that power. And that's why they want us to be quiet because they, you know, the, the patriarchy, I'm not going to say men because we know it's not all men, but the patriarchy, oh, yeah. the ideas and the structures need to keep us limited. They need to keep us feeling bad about ourselves. They need to keep us, you know, skinny and worrying about our weight. They need us to keep feeling like an accessory to the man's mm -hmm. um, process or their career or their power, or their capital. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was always, always, always in trouble. <laughs> I was always in trouble when I was managing um, because I was always questioning the rules. Well, why do we do it this way? Well, what about like, I wanted to lead with empathy when I had my trainers and I was leading, you know, I don't know how many trainers we had 15 men, a lot who were older than me. And, you know, and I also had a lot of people who um, men, especially who had just come out of the prison system and were really hardened. And I wanted to lead with empathy, not fear and, you know, pushing them around. And that idea of, being able to be kind and still win was so terrifying to those like patriarchal ideas because then like we don't have a weakness you know what i mean but right. it's ironic because like it breaks my heart and we've talked about this a lot too like how much men are damaged by these ideas too where they have yes. no room for vulnerability and empathy where that's seen as a weakness and if we could each if each half could have both of their halves, everything would be equal. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I, um, so you shared with me a podcast, like, oh, maybe over the summer, a few months ago from, uh, with, uh, Brene Brown and, yes. and Glennon Doyle. Yes. I 
am almost done listening. I've been listening to Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. Me too, me too. I have it on the audiobook. Okay. Everyone so listen to it, by the way. Everyone. You must listen. Glennon Doyle, Untamed, the chapter entitled Boys. Uh-huh. I literally, I've listened to it like three times because oh. it is, it is so, so, so perfect describing and tackling gender roles because Glennon um, talks about her experience raising her two girls and she's like, I taught them to be feminists from a very young age, you know, mm -hmm. to question authority. And one of her daughters dressed in a suit and was called a boy and there, and she's like shrugging it off and it's whatever. And when one of her daughters was called bossy, she's like, yeah, it's great. She's a leader, right? Like totally there for her girls, you know, bringing them up in a society where they know that they're going to have challenges and they're trying to face that and they're trying to like neutralize that and grow out of it. And then she talks about her son and she talks about the fact that she ended up catering to her son. She ended up falling into, okay, I'm going to raise my girls to be really, really, really strong and to, you know, defy the, the female feminine stereotypes. And then she talks about her, her son. And she's like, I did not raise my son. Like I raised my girls. Mm -hmm. I did not raise him um, saying it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to cry. It's okay to not, you know, be as confident as you know, you were taught to be. Yeah. These things are all okay. Oh, um, you know, this man walking past us right now, maybe he is a, you know, his career is a nurse or something like a teacher, something that's typically more of like a feminine kind of um, career. Yeah. So she's like, I didn't do this. And then, you know, when he gets busy with sports and school and whatever, I let him slack off at home. So he doesn't have to do the dishes and he doesn't have to clean his room. He doesn't have to do his laundry. And she's like, and then I totally realized I was like, just training him to be stuck in yeah. that in that male stereotype uh-huh and it's it is totally mind-blowing because our females we raise our females to be trapped in these cages of femininity and we also raise our males to be trapped in these cages of masculinity when really these two traits masculinity and femininity are just human traits yeah that we all have yeah and society just suppresses half of them for all of us yeah, absolutely. You know? And, and I think, and it's like, it was, it was just mind blowing to me. And it, and it all just made sense because I, I just feel like I've been trying for so long to try and figure out like, how do I balance my feminine and my masculine side? And they have to be perfectly like, I have to have the perfect amount of each. And if I don't, then I'm going to be too feminine or too masculine and whatever. When really it's like, okay, just be yourself and don't let society dictate which of these qualities is is correct yeah know? exactly and different parts of us come out in different instances or like you know if a loved one is sick maybe that calls upon more of your feminine traits to care for and nurture and you'll be more feminine in that instance or maybe you know when you walk into a workplace and have a meeting to pitch for an investor maybe you're going to draw on more of your masculine qualities and be powerful and that's what will serve you that day like we have to be free in that fluidity and and not see either side as our identity, right? Like versus our like physical gender, but seeing then like gender expression, which is a big topic of conversation right now and having the freedom to express gender, like our physical anatomy is not part of our personality per se. Like it can be, if you want, you want to be super feminine, like 
that's awesome. But, you know, we have to have that freedom to express it. And it's funny because when you're talking about Glennon raising her girls, I remember you and I were talking about um, having kids and you're like, oh, like I have to have girls. Like I want to have girls because I want to raise like a badass feminist, you know, because we have like such toxicity with with men. And I was like, well, all the more reason to have a boy, right, To, to train him to raise good men to be leaders like seeing mm-hmm. men be successful and still be kind like we don't really have models that way like we see or a lot of the boys growing up see successful men or men who are their models or men who are rich or men who are getting all the girls and a lot of the time they're cold or they step on people or they're you know getting in fights and just trying to assert their power which in a sense this whole um cultural system on the masculine and the feminine side just exists on this sense of power that I've talked about before and really comes from a capitalist idea, which is where power and money um, equals and fame equals Mm -hmm. worth, self-worth, right? Like our capitalist society values and champions money and status like what comes at the end of your name or how you know are you the ceo whatever your position is do you have a lot of women on your arm like how many bitches do you bone right we've just focused all of our values on these capitalist ideas now those capitalist ideas that we're chasing after because we don't understand our real self-worth yet and we've been taught that that leads us to this um toxic masculinity that says that we have to be, you know, we have to claw our way to the top, so to speak. And it's like this idea of a pie where, you know, it's the opposite of abundance mindset, where there's not enough for everybody and that we have right. to take other people out and you can't show weakness because, you know, you'll get taken down or whatever the case. Um, but we all know that vulnerability isn't weakness and having the ability to care about something is a strength. And the ability to be vulnerable and care is also the ability to be passionate and to experience joy and experience love and experience happiness. So it's like, it's not a weakness. If you know who you are, then those values and your self-worth can't be taken away from you by somebody else who has more money or status or power. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And on top of all that, it's, we as women have been used as tools for men to gain more power Yep. and we fall into it, you know, like, you know, you, you, we've been taught basically to, again, like not say no. Okay. So it's hard for us when a successful man or someone who has a lot of money or a lot of influence or whatever is very successful comes up to us and wants, wants a piece, then it's, you know, you're taught to basically be like, well, I'm here. I, I can't say no. Like I have to say yes because if if he's successful and I'm with him, then that means that I'm successful and I will help him become more successful. So the prettier that I am, and you know, the more competitive I am with other women, the more men I'll get, and then I then will become successful. When yep. now it's like I feel like a lot more women are are kind of like, well, I want to be successful because of me. Yeah. Like, why does it need to be because, because I'm being used? Like, I, you know, I don't want to be a tool anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's infuriating, you know, yeah. that, 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 like, that, that is even something that we're, that we're trying so, to unlearn. You know? 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's like these, it's these ancient ideas that all come from and, and just like men have this um, toxic narrative about, you know, what makes them valuable as men, which is like getting women, you know, money, car status, whatever. Women have this toxic narrative that's fed to them that their worth comes from the man that they catch. And this all comes from way back in the day when women weren't allowed to work and they weren't allowed to vote and they weren't allowed to make their own money. You didn't have a choice to be successful on your own. And that's, you know, a privilege that we're experiencing now, which is incredible. And I don't take for granted one day, but you know, even just back to my, my grandmother's era, they weren't allowed to work or, or just before that they couldn't have their own success. So the only way for you to feel successful in life was to get a successful man. And right. the more that you could appeal to your femininity and more to your sort of sexual expression, then you could get a more successful man. Like you were saying to compete with other women, how can you be more beautiful and more skinny to get the more successful man to get, you know, the handsome doctor to get the man with the rich estate, like, you had to really, like, I think about the notebook all the time, right, with Lon, how the parents right. wanted her to marry Lon, and yes. he was a nice guy, so we're here for it, but, you know, they, they, they wouldn't settle for that, because how could she have a good life without a man, right. but you actually right. wouldn't, but it's like, why are we still, nobody's there disrupting this idea to be like, get, guys, it's not like that anymore, like, let's catch up to speed to what's going on. Like women are fucking rocket scientists. Like women are running yeah. for president. Like let's right. speed and like, because we don't even realize we have these ideas. We don't even know. They're just so deeply ingrained because it's everywhere. It's in, on TV shows. It's in books. It's in classrooms. It's in models. We see it's in our parents and our ear talking to us, which I Stories definitely tell. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. It's in stories we tell It's It's absolutely everywhere. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's so hard to change that narrative. Um, and again, because like we fall into it, like we teach our boys that we're going to cater to them and we're going to take care of them. And we teach our girls to, to meet a, a, a nice guy, a successful guy, and then have babies. Like that's, that's the other thing too, is like, it solidifies your relationship with the man or with, or your, um, you know, your, your success or your ties with that person, if you then have their babies. Yeah. Yeah. And you're mine now. And I, I can't tell you how many times I hear stories of, um, celebrities or whoever, um, having babies with someone just because they know they'll get that, that they'll have that tie for life mm -hmm. or they'll get that child support for life. Mm -hmm. And, it, it that like that is one of the most infuriating things to me is that people have have babies for money and for status yeah and um, even just for self-worth so many women yeah. chase this path and we talk about this all the time about you know the social institution of marriage and having kids which you know both of us are for obviously you just got married congrats again um, <laughs> we're all for love and commitment and life partners and all these genuine things but the sort of measure of worth in a woman to have babies, like so many people chase that. And, and men sometimes too um, chase that to feel like they did something. And I'm not saying all people have kids just to feel better about themselves, not at all. But a lot of people do just go and have kids. They feel like they don't have anything else. And it's sort of 
becomes their purpose, right? Because having a kid, you could have never achieved anything in your life. And if you have a baby, you have a purpose, you have a meaning, you did something important, right? And it's stressful. And it's like, you know, I hear sometimes even my mom talk about it, like, you're the best thing I ever did, or, you know, you're my purpose or whatever, which is like a lot of pressure, <laughs> because that it's like, whatever I do, and a lot of parents are like this, they feel like their child is their sort of purpose or their contribution to the world. And there, then a lot of pressure comes onto the child to be successful or to be a certain way or to sort of fulfill their dreams that the parents didn't, you know? And I'm sure you have thoughts about that being a new stepmom of a six-year-old, uh, six or five. Eight. You just turned eight. He's eight? <laughs> okay. 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 So when I, so when I, yes. So when I met Jackson, he was five. Okay. And then, um, permanent in my brain, I guess. <laughs> so literally last week, he just turned eight. Okay. And, um, and yeah, I, I, I totally can relate to that because I remember when I was first getting to know my husband, Chad, we were doing, um, what is that? Uh, I think it's like a New York times thing where you like ask each other, it's like, Oh, fall in love with these like 100 questions or something like oh, that. Yeah. It's just like 100 like icebreaker questions, yeah. you know, yeah. you ask somebody. So I was like, let's do it. So we did it. And one of the questions was, um, what is your biggest success in life? Something like that. And he was like, Oh, easy. Um, having my son. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I haven't done shit. What the fuck? <laughs> I haven't done shit with my life. I have nothing to compare to that. When really, that's not true. No. You know, like I, you know, I, th I can't remember what I said, but I think it was like, oh, I've lived in New York for whatever. And I yeah. have, you know, basically started the negative dollars in my pocket and now have, have, am successful and have made it in New York, you know. Negative dollars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so many negative dollars. So many. Um, and now like, oh, and now here I am and I, you know, have a direction for my life and whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is like totally, um, it is, it is pressure on us also as children to then have children and make your parents grandparents. Yeah. And that is a huge pressure as well. Hear it every um, day. <laughs> and, and I had always made a rule with myself. Um, probably, uh, I think when my parents got divorced, um, it was kind of, I guess maybe that was like the first wake up call for me where I looked at marriage and family differently. So they split up when I was 18 and, um, I was off to college. And so I made a pact with myself, you know, I was like, I'm not going to get married until I'm older. I'm not going to have kids until I've made a life for myself, like my kids are not going to be my whole life. Um, and you know, basically it was like, okay, I, I'm not even, you know, marriage and a family are not even something that I'm going to consider anytime soon. Cause my, my parents were high school sweethearts mm. and they got married. They didn't get married like very young, but they were together for a very long time. Yeah. And I was like, if they can't make it work, like how am I supposed to make it work? You yeah. know? Um, and so, yeah, so we're, we're kind of taught this thing where like, okay, you need to have a baby to have a purpose. You need to have a baby to be successful. And then that's kind of when my parents got divorced, I kind of was like, okay, well, I need to make something out of myself before I decide to have a baby. 
Yeah. Um, because then and, how can you be a role model? You know what I mean? Like, how can you, wouldn't you want for your kids to have their own passion and purpose, something independent of other people? Like, your purpose has to be part of who you are, no matter who's around you. Like, your purpose and your identity can't be relative to another person. Like, you can't say that my purpose is a boyfriend, dad, uncle, brother, son, daughter, you can't, your identity can't be tied to another person. Then it's not your identity. It's your relationship. And a lot of people identify with their relationship. And I just feel like then you can't really be a model for your kids. Like Brene Brown was talking about how like she felt so guilty as a mom to take time for herself. And, you know, when she did, when she asked, you know, her son, like, oh, can I skip a soccer game? Like, I'm really tired. I just need some time to myself. I'm so sorry. And she did. And she said she felt awful about it. She felt like such a bad mom. And then a couple of weeks later, her son was making out his birthday list. And she said, you know, what do you want for your birthday? And number one, he said a little time to myself. And she's like, I realize that like, it's not about like giving your kids everything. It's teaching, it's being the model and teaching them how to get everything for themselves. Like I want to be a whole person that lived my whole life. And I can be a model for my kid, not make my kid my whole life, you know? Right. And I feel a lot of parents like, they talk about their kids as like their greatest happiness, which that's fine. That makes total sense. Like you love them the most. They bring you joy, of course. But I get worried about people who would feel like they did nothing with their lives otherwise, because then it does put the pressure on the kid. And that's why so many parents pressure their kids. Did you ever see, um, what's the one with Robin Williams and the writers, Dead Poets Society? And the, no, the no. one. So good. And the, the young college boy um, ends up committing suicide because of the pressure from his parents. Oh, boy. Yeah, sorry, spoiler, if anybody's called, I want to watch it. Um, but, yeah, but it's so it's so true. And I, I got so lucky, you know, when my parents split, like it was just me and my mom and she kind of let me do whatever I wanted. And, you know, my dad was really very tyrannical and strict. And you could tell that he was raised in that toxic masculinity culture and screamed at us in our faces if we cried. Like he would put us against the wall and just bellow in our face until we stopped crying because we weren't allowed to have feelings. I was like, cool, thanks. So when he helped <laughs> a lot, right? I was like, cool, I'm crying. Very helpful. Thank but, you. Yeah. So then when it was just my mom, she just kind of let me do whatever I wanted. And that's when I really got this sense of, of power and wanting to kind of combat it. So like, I feel like I got very fortunate with that. And she didn't put, well, she put a lot of pressure on me at first. But then when I would talk to her about it, I'd be like, no, this is what I'm doing. This is making me happy, you know? And then she was like, oh, okay. Like, it's almost like, people don't really know that there's another way to be happy other than what they've taught, what they've been yeah. taught. But then once right. she, now she sees me living my life, you know, I'm 30, almost two without kids and without a husband. And I'm like, so happy all the time. And she's like, Oh, okay. Like she kind of had to like buy into it a little bit. But like, once that pressure was relieved, like I think my sister got more of it. She's a lot older than me. So I think yeah. she got more of that pressure. Um, and she's, you know, a, a stay-at-home mom and that kind of thing, which she loves. But I kind of had this freedom that my mom gave me. I think she just like felt bad and was just like, whatever, like I trust you, like do your thing. And <laughs> I just, you know, I got this idea that I didn't ever want to have to depend on a man because I saw how she depended on him and how he held money over her head 
to make her mm -hmm. miserable. And I was like, wow, I will never do that. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to break rules. I'm going to be powerful. I'm going to lead on my own. And you know, that kind of idea of hers slowly faded away when she saw the actual benefit of <laughs> being independent and being secure. Um, yeah. But it's funny how it like, you know, I wrote a note before about how that can go on the flip side. And I think you can probably relate to this too. We talked about it in our past relationships being so, so toxic. Um, but, you know, that can also be perpetuated to an extreme where like women are rising up, which is amazing. And women are powerful and they're taking leadership positions and they're taking charge of their bodies and their lives and their homes, which is amazing. But it's almost like, I think Brene said this, that their women are, are not, women are not creating the matriarchy. They're just stepping into the patriarchy, which is what we don't need. You know what I mean? Like women are just putting on the pants and we're like, cool, we have more like men. Like, you know what I mean? Like we need the woman to rise as the woman or just the, the feminine energy. You know what I mean? Like just representative wise. Yes. Women need to be able to be powerful because of their empathy, powerful because of their intuition, powerful because of their kindness and not have to fight the men. Do you know what I mean? Like I just had this war and we kind of had a similar you know, idea where we're like, we wanted to be so independent, we wanted to own our power. And so in relationships with men, it was like a battle. And a lot yeah. of women take on this role in relationships where like, if the man doesn't really take care of enough, or the woman's insecure or aggressive, then the woman starts to become really masculine, start to take charge and take control of everything. Like when guys are like, Oh, I have to ask my wife permission. It's like, nah, dude, you know what I mean? Like, we're just taking on that role too much, because it's still in our heads instead of like rising as the woman as the as the feminine energy right i totally agree with that um yeah it, and and it also like well first i want to say you know when you're in a relationship you you are still yourself like you cannot become mm. a relationship like that's literally impossible yeah you know what I mean? but so many people when they are in a relationship become a relationship. They live and die and breathe and eat for the relationship only yep. when, when really it's like you have to be yourself in order to contribute your full amount, your full effort to the relationship, you know? And I, and I think that my marriage is really, um, you know, speaks a lot to that where we, we are, we're both in the fitness industry. Um, so we kind of do the same thing. Um, but we, we realize that, um, you know, we each con contribute different things to our relationship. So we, you know, contribute, mm -hmm. um, but we really communicate with, with the rest. So, you know, there is no like, Oh, I'm in charge of the laundry. Oh, I'm in charge of the dishes. Oh, I'm in charge of taking care of the dog. Oh, when Jackson's with us, I'm in, I'm the parent, you yeah. know, it's like we communicate so that we all, we each share all of these um, responsibilities mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, including bills, you know, like we're both financially responsible for like pretty much half of our lives. Mm. And, um, we want to keep it that way forever. You know, like we, we take equal responsibility in parenting. We take equal responsibility in paying our bills. And that wouldn't be possible if we were sitting here at home, just trying to like tender, like care for our 
care for our marriage and, and, you know, just become our relationship. We have to be individuals. We have to work separately and we have to also work together. Um, so I think that is, you know, it's really key where it's not like our gender roles don't define our household parenting or work roles. Yeah. Um, and, and the only way that that works especially because of the way that our generation was brought up to believe that those gender roles are still like kind of, uh, you know, um, in place yeah. is communication. Yeah. So our, our communication I as humans. Up. Yeah. So our communication as like humans and not as a man and a woman really helps that like, it really helps our, our flow. We both know like where we're each at, separately financially and together financially we we each know like where we're at emotionally and we take care of that um for each other and and you know we both know where we're at just kind of like in life and um and and the communication is just really really key with that and again not coming as at it as a man or a woman just coming at it as a human being right um so so how do you decide who does what? Like, do you decide based on like what you're best at or is it like you just rotate or like, how do you decide who takes care of what in the household or with, with Jackson or. So we kind of, um, we have certain, you know, routines that we build with some, some that are just kind of like, Oh, I'm free right now. I'll take care of it. So for instance, going to the grocery store since COVID has started, um, we don't go grocery shopping together. We just go one at a time, one of us, and we usually rotate. So Chad went to the store a few days ago and I'm going to go to the store today and whatever the household needs is what we get. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's no like, Oh, I'm only going to get my stuff and you're only going to get your stuff. It's like, Oh, I tell him when I need tampons, can you get me some tampons? Or yeah. if I'm going to the store and he needs conditioner, like I'll get his conditioner. Mm -hmm. Um, then I'll, you know, obviously we both get stuff for Jackson as well. And you know, when Jackson's here, um, we, and, and this is like, this has been a, you know, we've been together for almost three years now. This has been a three year long, um, progression, but it's yeah. like, talking about like parenting styles, parenting methods, um, parenting responsibilities is, um, has been a gradual thing. So that's, a, that's a constant communication thing, but we both like cook for him. We both play with him. We both teach him. We both, um, you know, uh, help him with like household things that he's trying to learn and become responsible for. Um, and we try to be as involved in his life as much as possible. But that's like pretty, pretty like 50, 50, especially yeah. because we plan on having our own someday. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm continually being like, okay, I want more responsibility. Okay. I, I can do this now. And I, and I, I'm thinking about like, oh, I want to do something just the two of us one-on-one -on, -one on like one day a week or whatever. And so I communicate with that with Chad and then, we make it happen and he supports that, you know? So it's just that communication. And then we're, you know, it's pretty much 50, 50 split. So yeah. it's, I think that it's, adjustment is so key. Like you were saying, like it's a progression, like things change and people's needs change or your job changes, your hours change or, or whatever the case and, and not getting sort of stuck in like, this is my thing. Cause then you feel like you can't ask for help. And yeah. I know it's, it's kind of funny to say, but since I've been here with my mom, 
um, you know, we're kind of like this domestic couple, which is hilarious. <laughs> the breadwinner, she goes to work, I stay at home and cook. Um, but, you know, we kind of talk about those things. Obviously, it's easier for us because we're both women, so there's no gender roles, but um, we just kind of make little deals. Like, we kind of get, like, a one in a one. Like, I hate putting away the dishes from the dishwasher because I hate the way they squeak. So she does that all the time. <laughs> and she hates taking down the trash because she has a bad wrist and it's too heavy to carry, so I always do the trash. And then, like, I do the laundry because I don't mind doing it at all. And she does the shopping at the store because I hate going to the store. You know what I mean? Like, we just kind of right. pick up, like, I'll trade you this for this and I'll trade you that for that and, like, kind of just making it. And then we have – clear expectations about like when the trash is overflowing it's not like oh well I thought you were going to do it no I thought you were going to do it like making it clear and communicating but also like you know I usually cook because I love cooking but when I wasn't feeling good last week I was like hey you know I'm really tired I really don't feel like cooking do you think you can take care of it and she's like yeah of course I'll pick something up on the way home you know what I mean it's like yeah. it's just being understanding of like the expectations and I think that Gender roles in their traditional sense cause so many problems in relationships because a like there's not enough appreciation on the other side like people don't get to experience one or the other so there's no empathy there's no understanding right somebody going to work all day we see it all the time on like sitcoms one goes to work all day and the other one stays home with the kids and the dad is like oh it must be so easy to stay home all day with the kids and the mom's like oh it must be so easy to go to work and sit on a computer all day and do nothing you know and I think that it that that lack of empathy is a problem because people aren't able to sort of understand each other or feel like it's fair. So there needs to be more of a crossover, like, you know, half of the work and half of the bills and half of the home domestic chores, et cetera. So that way, like, there's an understanding. And also there's an assumption that comes into the gender roles. And just like I was saying about clear expectations, when you expect somebody to do something and then it's not done, like expectation is the foundation of disappointment, right? And yeah. we get this sort of like resentment or, you know, people go into marriages thinking like, oh, I'm getting married to a woman, so she's going to cook and clean without ever talking about it. And then the woman's in the marriage, she's like, oh, I want to go to work. And he's like, what do you mean? You know what I mean? And then that idea, it's like a disappointment. And they just assume how each person is going to function without talking about it, without saying, what do you want? What do you like? What are you passionate about? What do you dislike? And mm -hmm. that is just, so we just think that it's a universal thing. And then we get into a relationship with somebody and we realize, Oh, that's not really how it's going to go. And then marriages sometimes fall apart. Yeah. And I think with that, um, so not having those expectations, especially without talking about it, but then also um, feeling gratitude, you know, every time like Chad goes to the store, I thank him. Yeah. Every time I put the dishes away out of the dishwasher, he thanks me. Every mm -hmm. time one of us makes dinner, and we usually, that's one thing that we switch on and off too. One of us makes dinner one night, the other one makes dinner the other night. And, um, and we always, always thank each other. We're grateful for everything that the other person does for us. We're grateful, you know, for someone paying for dinner. If we go out, we're grateful for, you know, someone driving a, somewhere and um, you know taking care of Jackson or putting in a couple of extra hours of work because we have a big bill coming up or something like that mm -hmm. and showing that gratitude is like I didn't expect you to do that you didn't have to do it but I'm very grateful that you did and mm -hmm. it really goes a long way yeah you we're know? just assuming like you said and not taking anything for granted like somebody has certain expectations like 
And I think that sort of mindset of, of gratitude is just like, that's not even a matter of like being a good husband or wife. That's just like being a good person. You know what I mean? And we take so much of that out of relationships. Like, like you said, people become the relationships and they, they become sort of just a function of the relationship and, you know, what's my role in this relationship. And then if they're not happy with it, there comes the discord. But it's like when two people appreciate that they're living an independent life with an independent identity and that they're collaborating to make it better, then you start to appreciate, oh, somebody's adding something to my life that I would have done alone otherwise. And I'm so appreciative of this addition instead of depending on somebody to create this other half or to fill these gaps or to supply these emotional needs of, of worthiness or validation or cooking and cleaning that when they don't do it, we're then lacking. Right. Yes. Like the myth of like my other half. It's like, you're a whole, you're a whole person, you know? Yeah. And, and it can go the other way too. Um, you know, so I had been living on my own and working on my own and in, in, in New York until I was 27. So when I was 27, I met Chad and um, we moved in together maybe four months later. So, um, and he had, you know, had a previous marriage before that. And um, so he had been, you know, living with somebody, um, you know, and, and co-parenting for quite a while, maybe like 10 years or so. Um, and so I had been used to completely relying on myself only myself, you know, I, you know, life starts and ends with me. I'm trying to make a name for myself. I'm trying to, you know, just become an adult, a human person in this society in, in especially in New York city. And so it's hard. It was hard for me when we moved in together, we're talking about moving to California, which we now live here in California. Yay. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, I was like, Oh my God, like, if we're going to be moving to California, I need to like make sure I do this and this and this and this and this and this, because I don't know anybody out there. And how am I going to have a, a, you know, how am I going to make any money out there? I can't rely on him. Like I have to do everything and it has to be me only. And he's like, you know, when we're getting closer to moving here, I started expressing these feelings to him and I'm like, I'm not going to be contributing enough. I'm not going to be able to make enough money. I'm not going to be able to have the life that I had back on the East coast. And he's like, you know, it's, and he has a lot of connections out here. He knows a lot of people. So he's like, he had been wanting to move here for a while. He's like, I have like, we're going to, it's going to be fine. Like, I'm going to, like, I've always wanted to do this. And I'm like, I don't, I'm nervous because I'm afraid that I can't provide for our family. Yeah. And he's like, but you're missing the point. He's like, first of all, you, you are, it's going to happen. Like you'll be able to find clients. You'll be able to network. You'll be able to have a career out West. Um, And he's also like, you know, anything, any success that I have is also your success. So you need to like, stop freaking out. Like I'm here to help you and we're doing this together. Yeah. You know, so it also goes the other way where it's like, you, you you know, like you, you don't need to only rely on yourself in a relationship. You can lean on the other person and you can do things collaboratively and together. So something that like, moving your career and your lives across the country is something that's also a collaboration and you have to realize and trust the other person that, you know, that things are going to be okay. Um, because I had, you know, I was always just stuck in this, like, 
almost like opposite um, gender role where I was like, I can only rely on myself. Like I am not going to be a stereotypical female and I'm not going to rely on a man for income and I'm not going to rely on a man for, you know, any part of my life. But it's like, no, this is, this is a partnership. It's not, he's going to make all the money. I'm going to stay at home with the kids. It's mm-hmm. we're doing it together. Your success is my success. And you know, it's going to help me get my, get my feet in the sand. Yeah. Start getting literally it. and figuratively. Like, literally. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. It's funny. Cause you said, um, you know, I don't want to be the stereotypical female. And it's funny because that's another just infiltration of gender roles and exactly. I did the exact same thing. And we related on this subject quite a lot. Um, in that, you know, that idea of being a, a female and seeing a weakness in that vulnerability and seeing a weakness in asking for help, which has been yeah. my year long struggle. Um, and kind of like <laughs> I was mentioning before women feeling like they have to, step into the role of the man um, because we don't exactly masculine energy and we don't feel protected. And, you know, we, like I was the same way where I was so afraid of being able to trust a man, especially with finances, like not really with anything else because like, whatever you get over it, you know, but when it comes to like having a place to live and like putting food on the table, like I'm more nervous about that. And I saw the way, you know, my father really kind of manipulated paying for our house and, and, and paying child support, which kept my mom afloat. And the way he kind of manipulated that had control over me because I depended on him financially and my mom as well. And so I was like, I'm never going to do right. that. I'm going to be a hundred percent independent. I'm always going to have my own money. But then that caused a problem, just like you were saying, because you have to trust, you have to take help. And it's a ideas of like feminine being weak and masculine being strong and us feeling like we have to be either one extreme or the other either hyper feminine and to get the hyper masculine to to kind of balance us out or keep us grounded or take over the masculine role where like we just don't trust the the energy we feel like they're gonna exploit us you know yeah and that's and that's just as toxic and I will say that is probably the hardest thing. Um, I don't know when it started or why I started becoming this like overly masculine kind of female, like afraid of being too feminine. I don't know when it started or why it started, but I do know that that is a really, really, really hard habit for me to break. Um, yeah. Maybe it started, I mean, I, I always remember growing up being like, you know, feeling st- almost like stuck in my home. My parents were pretty strict, both of them. Um, Pretty strict with what I was allowed to do with my friends, pretty strict with like where I was allowed to go. Um, And I just remember when, you know, being like listening to my mom say like, oh, well, when you can pay for it, like you can go do it. Mm. Or, you know, when you pay for your own home, then you can do whatever you want in your home. And I just remember feeling very stuck in my my home and being like, okay, as soon as I get the yeah, as soon as I get the fuck up out of here, I'm relying on myself so I can do what I want when I want. And that, and, and I, I distinctively remember like promising myself that and was like, as soon as I get out of here, I'm making money, man. I'm going to have time. I'm going to like do the damn thing. And especially like living in New York, like I full on 
grinded and also partied until it dropped. You know, like that was that was it. I was always going, yeah. I was like too. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so like I was up at all hours working, trying to make that coin, and then and then also being like, okay, I made my own money. I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Um, and so. So yeah, that, I mean, that total reliance on myself only, like, you can't help me. I don't want your help. I don't need your help is, was really hard to break for me. It was really hard. But if I could teach my daughters someday that being feminine and, you know, having masculine and feminine see or seeing masculine and feminine traits as human traits and finding strength in that, that's that's something that I will definitely try to teach because well, and, and Jackson and our son, you know, like it's just, there's strength in, in all of these human traits. There's strength in the masculine side and in the feminine side, and you can have too much of a good thing is too much or whatever the saying is. Yeah. Um, On either side is usually never ideal. Yeah. Even like chocolate chip cookies. Too much is a bad thing, and too few is also a bad thing. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I think, like, cause you're saying, like, I don't know where it started, which it makes a lot of sense, but even, like, even we get infiltrated by the patriarchy because they're in charge of all the messaging we receive. They're the directors in Hollywood. They're writing the TV scripts. They're deciding what literature goes into publishing, and those messages are just deeply seated in the subliminal ideas that, you know, again, like you're saying – for you, money equals freedom and it equals power, right? Yep. Yep. And these are the things, again, that the capitalist society um, equates with worth or value or, or happiness, right? Which, in a sense, money does do that, but, um, you know, it's not, it's not the only thing. And I think that for you, and I, I witnessed this myself, um, and I was able to finally make that shift, and I think it has a big part to do with it, is that, you know, the partner that you're with makes a big impact on that because it has to be this, like, it's kind of like, um, like a seesaw. You have to have both parts equally weighted on each side for it to balance where like you're able to be a little softer and more, you know, willing to take help or maybe a little bit more vulnerable if the partner that you're with makes you feel safe to do so, right? Like you trust to not take advantage of you or exploit you or manipulate you when you don't have as much money as him or whatever the case, like such a two way street. And, and for the men too, to not feel like they're going to be, you know, ridiculed or emasculated by being sensitive or having their feelings or, you know, taking a break from work or maybe struggling with finances if they feel like they're not going to be shamed and guilted, but supported and, you know, looked at the same way by their female partner or feminine partner, whatever the case, then they have space to be themselves. And like, that's where that dynamic of relationships is so important because we can heal in relationships, but it's not just like, oh, men are the problem and women are the victim. Like, it's just, it's a whole like wrapped up sandwich of like each part being sort of out of balance and trying to find the, to to call a truce essentially, right? The masculine and the feminine in our society have to call a truce to be like, well, I will, if you will. All right. I will, if you will, one, two, three, draw, you know what I mean? Yeah. Otherwise it's just, it's always going to kind of swing the other extreme to kind of compensate, you know, either way. 
Yeah, it's totally a trust fall. And I will say, especially this, this, um, this year, this crazy fucking year, I've seen a lot of that in my relationship with, um, you know, with work. Sometimes I'm working more than he is. Sometimes he's working more than I am. Sometimes, you know, one of us has more bills and we have to like cut back a little bit on, on spending. And, you know, so it go like, we've experienced in, in my relationship, this up and down and trying to balance that. And there's no, you know, there's no hard feelings about it. You know, right. it is what it is. And no matter what, we're doing it together. Right. And that it's going to come back on the other end. Exactly. Exactly. I've seen it with that. I've seen it with, you know, when one of us gets sick, the other one takes on a few, a little more responsibility around the house or with parenting Mm -hmm. and, you know, emotionally, um, you know, one of us is really upset and kind of closed off. The other one like either gives space or like tries to, you know, be a little bit more vulnerable and like inviting to kind of break down that wall a little bit. And we've both experienced it, experienced it and we've both done it. So it's, you know, this, this year has been a, a good test, I think, for a lot of relationships. Yeah. And I think ours is kind of thriving. Ours is, mine is kind of thriving because of it, but because of that communication, because we've kind of broken down those masculine and feminine barriers where it's just kind of like we're two human beings just trying to like make it work and enjoy our time together. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, it's ignorant to, to, play this role where or it's ignorant to have an idea that one person in a relationship is never going to have a bad day is never going to struggle is like that's so ignorant and that's part of like the toxic masculinity of suppressing feelings and not allowing um you know the male to process or or to give them space to have a bad day that that's weak and and then those things get turned into anger and violence and you know, aggression and abuse. And I think having a female partner that's strong enough, that's also not stuck in those gender roles of seeing a man be vulnerable and sensitive, like giving that space, like it makes me think of, you know, when you're talking about the ebb and flow, it makes me think of like how bridges are built. They're built to have wobble, right? Because if they're too rigid, they break and the earth moves and the wind moves and things are always going to happen. They're always, always going to happen. And there has to be some bend and flexibility to allow that, that change in energy to without breaking those rigid structures, you know? Yeah. And, and the same, just as, um, as we were talking about earlier with parenting and, and coming into a, like a set parenting role, it's, um, it's a process. And honestly, like each relationship that you get into is going to have a different flow. It's going to have a different kind of, you know, method of success, method for success. And so, yeah, like you have to be open to, to different methods than what you've done in the past or than what you're used to. And you have to compromise on, on your current methods. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a constant progression and work in progress. And even though we're married, you know, we got married um, a little over a month ago. We're, I, I think that we've grown even more since then and are going to continue to grow. And I know a lot of people when they, when they get married, they're just kind of like, all right, that's it. Yeah. Time to grow this. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm done. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Like but, yeah, it has to continue to progress. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I like, you know, that awareness 
roots of these ideas. I mean, just like anything, right? Just the awareness of those ideas that are put into us and put into our culture, bringing that awareness into the relationship and talking about it. Like none of us are perfect. We've all been raised in the same, you know, fucked up world and we're all susceptible to these ideas. None of us are like, you know, unless you were like raised by wolves out in the damn fields, like you're susceptible <laughs> to these ideas. Yeah. You've been surrounded by them. Um, we're, we're a product of our environment to an extent. So I think trying not to like hide those things and be like, oh, I don't have those false ideas. Like again, that ignorance is, is harmful. And I think just bring that awareness to like, oh man, like I'm struggling with this idea about, you know, like you were saying, or, or what I was saying about, you know, not allowing help or being hyper-masculine or whatever, and just being able to, like, be honest about it and just bring it in there and just be like, oh, this is what I'm feeling, because 99% of the time, the partner will, like, reassure you or be like, oh, I understand, or consider that next time you have that conversation. So I think the awareness of how these ideas infiltrated our subconscious when we were developing is crucial, no matter who you are. And, um, you know, one thing that I, I like to do sort of at the end of these podcasts is really talk about an actionable item for, for everybody to take away. Um, like I was mentioning, we don't want to just sort of hash on like, oh, all the problems. Uh, yeah, yeah. But bring light to them, discuss them. And, and, you know, some people might not even think of gender roles in, in the way that we talked about, they just think about like, oh, the stay-at-home wife, and if they don't have that, then they're like, oh, well, we don't have trouble with that. But it is, we talk about vulnerability and having that sort of mask or trying to take control or um, whatever the case. But, um, you know, I like people to walk away with something actual about how to get away from it. So, um, you know, I mostly focus on self-narrative work. So I want to, you know, kind of get your input on how we can sort of change our narrative or what we can change in our narrative or how we can help ourselves kind of break out of these gender roles or break out of these ideas. Like what would you say to somebody who is trying to get out of these um, conditional ideas? Um, I, I think that, you know, the, it, it goes two different ways. One is, you know, changing that narrative within yourself. And then another would be changing that narrative in your relationships. So in order to change that narrative within yourself, um, I would say, you know, something easy that you could do and, and quick would be just to write down a few um, characteristics or traits or tendencies that you um, are drawn to. Like, for me, I know that I'm painfully sensitive. So that's a trait I that see, I would write down. I, <laughs> I know, I'm like painfully sensitive. I know. So yeah. that would be a trait that I would write down, sensitive. I know I'm also um, physically strong. So that could be another characteristic or trait, you know, that I would write down, you know, whether or not it's feminine or masculine, just make one list. So, so a list of things that you tend to, um, to, you know, that, that basically describe you and then create another list of traits that are, are, you know, kind of hard for you to grasp or hard for you to, um, to, uh, Body. to like allow yourself to feel. So for instance, I have struggled in the past with, you know, vulnerability with being, you know, dependent or halfway dependent on others. So that would be something that I, that I would write down, um, without, you know, figuring out which gender role those are. And then I would just say, you know, if you would 
if you have any of these traits that are not something that you um, like, <laughs> something that, like a trait that you're kind of just like, or like I'm, you know, I'm cocky and I don't want to be cocky anymore. I don't want to be like um, in your face cocky about certain things or, you know, I um, am afraid to cry, you know. Yeah. And that's something that like, I'm like, oh, well, maybe I don't want to be afraid to cry anymore. Or, you know, if there are any traits that you, that you struggle with that you would like to include in your personality, then these are kind of areas that it's like, okay, the next time you want to cry and stop yourself, maybe, you know, start out slow, like go in your bathroom or whatever and like, let it happen. Yeah. Or, you know, for me, um, I struggled with being vulnerable. So, you know, the next time I try and like hide in my shell, maybe just kind of like the first step would be journaling about it, you know, and just allowing yourself to feel that. So then kind of like creating a list of traits that you are really comfortable with and not assigning any gender to those traits. And then taking that out into relationships, um, it's all about communication. So I remember when I was on one of my first dates with Chad, I told him, I was like, I'm really, really sensitive. <laughs> like, I don't know if you understand, like I'm painfully sensitive. And then when he first experienced me being really sensitive, he wasn't super shocked by it. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, we'd already communicated about that. I already told him, I was like, listen, I'm sensitive, okay? Like, this is how I deal with issues. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, communicating that and then communicating also in friendships and, you know, relationships with your parents and romantic relationships and relationships with your kids, um, you know, with people that you are acquaintances or close relationships, having that communication where you're very clear about, you know, your roles in the relationship is really, really key. Because I know that especially in my marriage, that has been really, really big, um, so when you, when you feel like you want to say something, be respect, be respectful, like say it in a way that's, you know, not combative or, you know, it driven by emotion, but it's kind of like factual, you know, like I'm sensitive, I'm a sensitive person. So if you, you know, if you trigger me, I'm, I'm probably going to have a, a, uh, a big response to it. Yeah. You know, or I'm going to like totally, I'm going to totally like dive into myself and I'm going to swim in my thoughts for a few days and like not be okay with myself. So like, just letting you know, like, you know, that's, that's something that I, that's how I deal with some things, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but the communicating that and being like, if I feel this way, or if I'm acting this way, like, just know I'm feeling sensitive and like, then you can work on it from there. Like, you know, I know Chad sometimes will give me space when I'm feeling that way. Sometimes will like, snap me out of it, you know, and, and we have that special, um, you know, kind of, um, way of, way of dealing with, with those types of things. Yeah. Um, but again, it's never from a gender place. It's just human traits. Yeah. So not like, like isolating yourself to, or like trying to fit yourself into that package, but really just being 100% genuine and authentic, regardless of what um, assignment those qualities have. So what I heard you say a lot is that um, self-honesty is really key for um, kind of balancing out those roles and not limiting yourself and how you behave, what you're sort of allowed to feel or the flaws that you have, and not kind of like 
pigeonholing them into certain roles or like I'm not allowed to be like this or feel like this because I'm a woman or that's too feminine and I don't want to be like that um and I do a lot of self-honesty work um with my program so I'm big on that um because yeah. you're lying to yourself you're never going to get anywhere with anybody else so um you know telling the truth to yourself and then communicating that to your partner um and I think that's, that's super important and I think for me, a big thing is understanding gender roles and kind of getting out of those sort of ideas because they're so deeply embedded. They're so subliminal. Um, they're so sub-level that we can't really access them right away. And I think for me, a lot of it was kind of like research or kind of reading about almost like the foundation of these ideas so that it's not so almost easier to understand when it's a little bit detached, right? Like I the painting right up close because um, you're like oh I'm not a stay-at-home housewife like gender roles don't affect me but we can see how you and I were affected in many ways and in the opposite way just as well um, so I think now you know that it came from women not being able to work came from capitalist roots about our value in money and kind of understanding like, those root foundations, I think, makes it so much easier to then apply it to your life because you don't have to um, understand, like, the circumstances. You're like, well, that's not really the case with me. Like, you just understand the root of the problem, and then you can see how that kind of applies, like, in a more vague way. Um, and I think for me, a big thing was looking at what my limitations are and where I stop myself noticing the times when I say to myself, well, I can't do that. Or, you know, I'm, I'm a girl or like, that's for guys. Or, I mean, you don't say it verbatim. Yeah. Where I feel limited or where my ideas about who I am mean that I'm incapable in some way, whether it's making money for myself or taking help from somebody or leading a team or, um, you know, being a, a nurturer or a healer, like now in my work, I'm doing sound healing. And that's such a hard swing from, you know, running a business and doing like revenue and sales and managing your team and now being like a, a energy healer. So right. just kind of allowing space to follow kind of like what you said, like be what you are without any ideas attached to attached to them about what that means to your gender role or if it's allowed or not allowed. And really like before, really understanding what your values are and understanding what's important to you and not what is important to society about how you're gonna contribute. So it's less about like how can I do what's expected of me and more about what's important to me about how what's important to me, you know, on my front porch when I'm 80, my rocking chair that I'm going to be proud of. Like, what do I wake up for every morning? And going from that place instead of like starting from what's expected and working backwards, thinking about like my heart happy, what makes me excited, what's important to me, what matters to me, and working up from there and then sort of removing those ideas, like you said, those stigmas and being like, if this is what matters to me, then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or what they impress upon me with their ideas or their stigmas, because this is going to make me happy at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you can do both. You know, I think both of us are, you know, um, 
I, I base my whole training practice on, um, you know, on quality of movement. So it's not how much weight can you lift. And yeah, if you're, if you develop enough strength, like you're going to lift heavy ass weights. And yes, I do train mostly women. Um, but you know, quality of movement, moving well is technically, you know, would be considered a feminine way to train. However, I'm a business owner, you know, I'm doing then a masculine, traditionally masculine trait with owning a business. Same with you, you know, with holistic healing and, and you also own your own business and right. we're both entrepreneurs, but are doing it in a way that speaks to ourselves. So it speaks yes. to our souls. Yes. And so, you know, you can do both yep. <laughs> and thrive. Yes. You know? I love you it. To, you just have to go for it. Yeah. yeah. And, and just being authentic a hundred percent and being aligned with who you are, knowing what you want and what resonates with you is going to make it a lot easier for us to go against what everyone else is asking of us. You know, if we know what we want for ourselves. It's much easier to defy what's being asked of us outside of ourselves. You know, it's so much easier to fall prey to what other people want us to be if we don't know what we want to be ourselves. And it's like, well, if I can't please myself and I don't know what I want, I might as well pick something that makes everybody else happy if it's a crapshoot anyway. You know what I mean? So it's just easier to, to stand strong in your beliefs if you actually know what they are. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. Exactly. Amazing. All right. Well, thanks, Morgan. I appreciate you so much. I adore you. You're a badass, strong, soft, kind, vulnerable, sensitive, powerhouse, biatch. And I appreciate yes. your time. Thank you so much, Allie. This was so much fun. Love All you. Right, babe. Love you. Bye. Bye.